the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and much, much more. What's on your financial mind? We can talk about anything. I'm pretty easy to talk to, I would like to think. With that said, don't be shy. Stocks are gaining this morning out of the gate. I'll tell you the reasons why. I will try to put it in human terms. This could be one of those days that will go down in your mind in history. The day that we start talking about the IPO that is, the IPO that is Facebook. It's coming around the corner. We've already talked a little bit about it, so we know that there's something out there to discuss. And when I say that, I mean that with, uh, be cautious. Most IPOs underperform the S&P 500 in their first year of trading, in large part because People are selling the stock for the first time ever. It's a situation where there's been nothing but winners in the stock. People who bought in when it was worth $1 million, $5 million, $10 million, $100 million, $2 billion, $3 billion, $5 billion. It's going to be worth almost $100 million. So there's going to be a lot of people that have already got gains wrapped up in it that want to cash out. So is the Facebook IPO the start of another tech bubble? It's um, going to be a hell of a question. Dow's up 112, NASDAQ up 18, S&P 500 up 11. The hype surrounding the Facebook IPO will be a pretty rich valuation. Will it grow into that valuation? It'll be worth probably $100 billion plus when it has its first trade. Um, to give you some concept, right now Apple's worth $420 billion. We know that Apple makes... billion a quarter. We know that if you give it enough time, i.e. 40 years, eh, 10 years, it'll grow into and it'll pay off everything that is already there. So right now it reminds me of the huge dot-com bottle when you see the valuation that IPOs are getting. Kids are on it and, you know, moms and soccer dads are talking about it. Ultimately, the final share price is yet to be known. Ultimately, the final valuation yet to be known. So there's a lot of things that we don't know. And uh, we have to be honest about that and and be very cautious about that. I promise you, as the IPO comes up, I will do 
everything I can, I swear to you, to inform you about it. Facebook reports it's counting straight down the line. It's going to be a pretty simple analysis if they do that. So Zuckerberg saw how much flat Groupon and Zynga got for their weird numbers, and he's going to want to be above that fray. He's going to want to try to be one of the greatest CEOs of all time. So my guess is that people are going to be underwhelmed by the financials out of the gate. Facebook's true value isn't its current business, which is nowhere near as good as search, but some future way of capitalizing the most billion people that it could use the site on a monthly basis. I think Zuckerberg's going to be very Jeff Bezos-like. I think he's going to say, don't jump in. This is a stock for the long haul. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say the excitement is 11 as far as this issue goes right now. Would you agree? So let's talk about some of the, the, the simpler things that we could talk about today without getting you all jacked up and, and weirded out. Bullish bias. Mitt Romney won the Florida GOP primary by a wide margin of Newt Gingrich. Portugal had a successful auctioning of 1.5 billion euros on a three-month and six-month Strong demand, noticeably lower yields. That's positive. Italy's 10-year note dropped about 5.74% in the secondary market. That's healthy. Spain's 10-year note dropped about 4.62%. Now, again, our 10-year note is under 2%. So we could finance our country a lot cheaper than they could finance their country. And that's the whole idea behind it. It'll be easier for our country to build roads than it'll be for their country to build roads. Amazon.com was a company that beat expectations. The good news was large overshadowed by the disappointing guidance for the first quarter. So that shares are down about 10% on the NASDAQ day. Seagate, they're indicated uh, higher today. Hard disk drive maker beat expectations. U.S. market is bullish. Foreign markets is bullish. China was a major exception. They had a very encouraging um, manufacturing report. Shanghai uh, composite declined. So there was some inflation. Some profit-taking is the, is the notion there, though. So positive start for February, which just completed its best January since 1997. That's a good thing. So um, some ADP headlines out there didn't really live up to expectations. The January report, not a bad report. Uh, but not a great one. Overriding message is the private sector is creating jobs, the bulk of which are being found at small and mid-sized businesses. Small and mid-sized businesses added 95,000 and 72,000, respectively. The numbers were a little bit shy of expectation, though. They came in around 292,000 versus expectations of um, 325. So... Month to month, it was a little bit on the downside, uh, trending lower, not down, trending lower. So this is some of the things that we're dealing with this morning. Um, let's see. Let's see the hot mic message. Okay. Got it. Um, some issues that we have to take a look at as far as big stories go. Companies added 170,000 workers. So that ADP number was... Expectations are about two hundred thousand. Last month it was about two hundred and seventy thousand. So you can see it's it's a good number, but it's not enough. So we need more job creation in the United States. That's for sure. So stocks um, also gaining today because of manufacturing rise. 
American manufacturing joined a global pickup in factory indices from China and Germany and the U.K. So the news on the economy is a lot better so far at the start of the year than expected. It's not as strong as it was last year. There are some losers out there like Amazon. Whirlpool up 10%. They're a big, large appliance maker. They beat forecasts. Broadcom, they make chips that help mobile devices connect to the Internet. They're up 5% after forecasting expectations higher than expected. Morgan Stanley higher. They were the firm chosen to take the lead in the IPO of Facebook. Um, some other things that we should be paying attention to, financial companies. You know, yesterday we had kind of a sideways day on Wall Street, but sideways isn't necessarily down. Sideways, we saw some leadership in the banks, and that's very, very positive. If you have a 10 to 20-year time horizon, I want you to own the banks. I want them to be part of your portfolio because they will recover, much like they recovered in 89, 92 after our savings and loan thrift problem that we had in the United States. Will it be as glorious? Probably not. Will it be very, very good? I think so. So back to Broadcom real quick. Broadcom makes a lot of the chips that, that help things like Apple smartphones and Google smartphones and tablets connect with Wi-Fi and, and Bluetooth. That would be called a secondary play or an ancillary play on a trend. Casino companies are up after Macau, the world's largest gaming and gambling hub, rose about 35% in the month of January. MGM Resorts up. Las Vegas Sands up. Aflac down, Amazon down. Those are the really only two negative stories that I could find at this point in time. I do have a seminar coming up tomorrow night in Pleasanton. Only one person signed up yesterday from radio. Very disappointing. <laughs> but that's cool. Uh, I know that you get your daily dose of me here, and that's expected. But it's Thursday night, February 2nd from 6 to 9, Pleasanton, four points shared. And I'm going to go over... Probably about 10-plus stocks that I, I currently hold as a position. Chad Burton, New Focus Financial, will be there talking diversification, taxes, estate planning. Michelle Lerman will be there. Um, we'll answer all your questions. In fact, Ray Fry, who does reverse mortgages, will be there. Sign up at robblack.com tomorrow in Pleasanton, AM 1220, KDOW. AM 1220, KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you by the Exogen Temporal Thermometer. We've had a couple of problems for the drive. Let's head out towards Fremont where an accident's blocking the second lane from the left on southbound 880 right after Stevenson Boulevard. There was another two-car pileup. It's in the center divide also along south 880 right before Thornton Avenue. Meanwhile in Hayward, a crash is blocking the second lane from the left on south 880 right after 92 in Jackson. That's been slow from A Street. Do Los Gatos, a crash is blocking the left lane. Highway 17 northbound right before Santa Cruz Avenue. A look at the Bay Bridge Toll Plaza that's now backed up from the foot of the maze. It's also slow going across the incline. Meanwhile, Bart, Ace, Muni, they're running on time. The Exogen Temporal Thermometer is so fast, accurate, easy, and affordable. You will just love it. A must-have for any household, especially with children. The Exogen Temporal Thermometer. Get yours at Babies R Us and other fine retailers today. For more traffic information, log on to SigAlert.com. I'm Karina Velasquez with your Bay Area traffic. People we don't know, and we don't know people we can't see. That can be a tough hurdle in a global business atmosphere with dispersed employees and international prospects. But there is a way to get better connected to the people you depend on for success. Use GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix, the simple online meeting service with Group HD Video. 
All it takes is a webcam and a click, and you're instantly collaborating with your team or clients in real time from anywhere in the world. You'll build trust and confidence with people you might not otherwise be able to meet in person, and that could mean a huge boost for your business. Start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with a free 45-day trial of GoToMeeting. For this special extended offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code FREE45. That's GoToMeeting.com. Use the promo code FREE45 for the free 45-day trial. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Little Matt and Kim for you. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. We have a good day going so far. The Dow's up 134. The Nasdaq's up 19. The S&P 500 up 13. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online, newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk a little asset allocation. It is two words put together that we know in the investment community. Some of us know it better, some of it more intimately. What's asset allocation mean to you, Chad? Well, first of all, let's, let's, let's talk about what it doesn't mean because I think it's a term that's really misunderstood. Okay. Um, a lot of people that start investing think asset allocation means that it's always being in the right asset class all the time and shifting from one asset class to another, which is really the same thing as, as day trading. Now, you want to do a little bit of that once you've accumulated a portfolio, overweight and underweight in different areas, including cash, which is an asset class. But really what asset allocation means is you're trying to build a portfolio to achieve a certain goal with the least amount of risk possible, knowing that you're going to be wrong sometimes, so you still continue to hold on to certain asset classes, um, like small cap, like emerging markets, which will have you know kind of a three steps forward, two steps back type of a process. And do you look at – some people would look at asset allocation, stocks, bonds, and real estate. Do you look at small caps and international, like you just brought up? Do you look at that as a sub-asset class, or is it a totally different asset? It's it's a it's an asset class. Okay. So I think that there's times like during the big part of the credit crisis, we steered clear of small caps altogether, for example, um, because of the risk factors that were involved. But we didn't like doing that for too long, so we still own a, a piece of small cap, which started off 2012, for example, the first month with with big gains, for example. You you just want to maintain a certain exposure to these asset classes, and, and there's more than this stocks, bonds, and real estate. Within stocks, you've got the large cap, mid cap, small cap, but you also have different management styles between value and growth or even just dividend growth investing. You also have uh, commodities that have to be a part of your portfolio as well, and there's a whole slew of alternative investments that people should be getting, you know, taking a look at and becoming educated on within the alternative asset class space. There's managed futures, which is another way to get into currency and commodities. Okay. There is funds that deal with merger and acquisitions. There's funds that deal with what's called kind of the buy right area, which is really covered calls. So it's a way to get into the market with creating income on, on, on different stocks. And there are tor- types of portfolios where if you're trying to find a spot where 
I don't want to be in cash, but I don't like where bonds are. I don't stocks maybe feel a little overvalued. You might look get into funds which hedge with the downside. There's funds out there that mirror the S and P 500. They sell covered calls to create some extra income, and they use that income to buy protective puts, which means you have upside exposure, but it's limited. Right. And in trade off, you have limited downside risk as well. All of those are different pieces that go into asset allocation. The, the idea is that. Every year in the market, you have something that's doing good. So if if you're trying to compare your portfolio to just the S&P 500, and the S&P 500 has a roaring year because of tech and financials, for right. example, you're going to underperform a little bit in the good years. But you're going to outperform a lot in the bad years. That's what asset allocation is really about. Seven out of ten years are positive. Three out of ten is negative. It's a three out of ten makes a big difference. That's the math behind asset allocation. Before we get into that, um, comic books, asset, asset or not? Um, is, as far as collectibles? Yeah. That's yeah, kind of where I'm getting mean, at. It, it can be. There. I'm sure there's been some successful comic book collectors out there. Okay. And um, how about art? Do you look at art as an asset class for the wealthy, for the poor? Should people be buying it? Should they not? Yeah, for the wealthy because typically, you know, there's there are obviously some people that happen to purchase a painting 30 years ago that they didn't realize was going to be drastically um, but you got to be good at picking yeah. paintings. It's not like being good at picking stocks and picking mutual funds. You got to be good at that that unique skill as well. <laughs> right. And art art went through a pretty big bubble. It, just like any asset class, it goes through bubble times. So it's correcting at this point in time. But typically, it's kind of one of those things where in order to be good at accumulating the art that's going to make you money in the long term, you've already got to have a lot of money. I'm with you. So and uh, the idea on that is they're not making, you know, if, if it's a dead artist, Leonardo's not making more art, so to speak. Uh, I could drop that conversation because I'm going nowhere with that. But let's talk about the math of al- asset allocations. What do we need to know? Well, it's really creating consistent returns because you, the first thing you have to look at is is the game of math. It's the downside that makes a big difference. So if you drop 50%, you have to get how much to break even? Uh, 100%. Right. I know that, so, but most people don't. So that's that's the thing. It's You know, you have to focus on, on the 10-year average return. Don't, don't really look at the one- and three-year average return. It doesn't make as much difference. It's the 10-year average return. So if you're trying to compare, let's say you're trying to go for a large-cap growth manager. You make sure that the manager's been there for the entire term of the track record, 10-plus years. You look at the standard deviation. So if you're comparing two funds, you would want the one with the best 10-year average return, the lowest standard deviation, and the most consistency, uh, and maybe even the lowest beta if you're trying to get to funds that are, are less less volatile as you get close to retirement. So standard deviation, beta, and the consistency of returns is, helps you, you know, understand the math behind asset allocation. Asset allocation and much, much more. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com or find his website, chadburton.com. And don't forget, Chad and I will be doing a seminar tomorrow. Tomorrow we will be doing a seminar um, in Pleasanton. It's a wealth preservation retirement planning. Next month we got some events planned that are more money 101 oriented. Uh, but tomorrow, wealth preservation, retirement planning, reducing risk with diversification, tax reduction strategies, estate planning tips, how to pull money out of the markets, retirement outlook. Uh, I'm going to go over 10-plus stocks in a portfolio that I like and reasons why. Uh, going to do a lot of wealth preservation uh, talk. It's a really good event. Pleasant is a nice audience, so we hope to see you out at the Pleasanton Four Points Sheraton. You have to sign up online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com, or you can go to Chad's website, newfocusfinancial.com. He and I are kind of like the Abbott and Costello kind of, uh, of money. And uh, there's no one smarter. Um, there's no one smarter in, in financial planning. I think he's top-notch at what he does. So come on out and support what this uh, show does for you. It brings you good content and good co- information. 
Um, again, that's tomorrow night. If you want a free ticket, I typically charge five bucks, six bucks to try to you know raise some money for charity. If you're not in a position where you really feel comfortable throwing down five bucks, drop me an email and I'll get you in for free. Just give me your name and uh, I'll let the next three people who email me in for free. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Um, so Broadcom's a big winner today. And again, that is a play ultimately on, Broadcom is ultimately a, a big play on gadgets. So it's not Apple. I think Apple actually is cheaper than Broadcom. Broadcom trades at a PE of about 21 times this year's earnings, and it trades at a PE of next time's 11, whereas Apple, and that to me looks very, very cheap, just so you know, uh, trades at a PE of about 12 times, 13 times this year's earnings, and it trades at a PE of next year's 9, which historically is way below the market. And uh, I tend to like things like that. So other big stories that we have to be aware of today, some of them are breaking, some of them are big. Uh, Four January sales rose 7% to 136,000 vehicles. The F-Series trucks gained 8%. Trucks make a lot more money than smaller vehicles do. Construction spending up 1.5%, which is nice to see. Uh, again, sign up for that event tomorrow night at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll come back with more of the breaking news and stories on Wall Street. Any financial questions you have, give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You listen to AM 1220. KDOW. On car insurance. Call Rob Black now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. One of my favorite bands. I always dig when the chick comes out and sings in a male-dominated band. I don't know. It's kind of like that Fleetwood Mac when you finally get the female voice kicking in beside Lindsey Buckingham's voice. You're like, whoa, that chick's got some pipes. White House details home refinancing plan. The White House today is beginning to provide some details of President Barack Obama's State of the Union pledge to craft a plan to give homeowners a chance to refinance at historically low interest rates. The White House said the program will be focused on borrowers whose loans are not owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, which is amazing. In large part, let me stop here for a second. When you bought your house, you made a deal with a bank that you promised to pay it back. And that bank said, oh, okay, I'll give you that money at 5%. And they gave it to Anthony at 5.5%. And they gave it to Mitch at 4%. And then they said, you know what? We've lent out enough money. We're going to go out and repackage these loans and sell them. We're going to sell them to some investor. Let's call him Sheikh Abdullah Abdullah. And he's going to get a blended return, but he's going to put up millions of dollars. And that's going to allow us to go out and lend millions of dollars again. That's a bit of the problem is what's called repackaging loans got us into a lot of problems. 
So now the program that's going to be operated through the Federal Housing Administration to qualify borrowers will need to be current on their loan for the past six months and have missed no more than one payment in the prior six months. Borrowers will also have to meet a minimum credit score. The loans cannot be larger than the current FHA conforming loan limit that ranges as high as $729,750. The mortgage to be refinanced must be for a family's owner-occupied principal residence. Cost of the program is expected to be between $5, million, $5 billion and $10 billion to be paid for by a fee on large financial firms. The administration is also asking Congress to streamline refinancing to borrowers with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans. Again, does it help a little bit? Yes. Do the lenders have to take this program? At this point in time, I don't see any language that says they have to. So that's interesting to note. It's not the most interesting thing I've heard in my whole life, but it's interesting to note. Um, Some other big stories that are out there today, Molly Corp. They're a company that makes a specialized uh, product, specialized, um, it's not chemicals, the words I'm looking for, uh, materials is the best way of saying it, specialized materials. Uh, Molly Corp uh, agreed to buy 12.5 million shares of its common stock, a company uh, called Molobineros, which is Chile-based. So um, they have kind of a corner on what they do. Uh, Fed's governor is speaking this morning, Fed Governor Plosser. He's saying inflation may moderate in the near term, but that doesn't mean the Federal Reserve can relax. The Federal Reserve has basically said, we're going to keep interest rates low till 2014. Now, Plosser is the federal president of banks in the Philadelphia Federal Reserve region. He said, with commodity prices now leveling off or declining and investors not expecting higher prices, inflation will moderate. As policymakers, though, I I focus less on the near term and more on the medium term. That's interesting. So he's teaching you kind of how he makes sausage. With the Fed's very easy monetary policy now in place for more than three years, we must continue to monitor inflation very carefully. One thing our government and our bankers don't want to happen is for some shock to the system. And that could be inflation. It could be they've printed so many dollars that it dilutes the dollar. And things that are hard, like gold, doesn't get diluted. You can't print more gold. You can't use hay and turn it into gold. You can't, you know, magically turn one barrel of oil into two. Once you, you know, burn that oil, it's gone. I think. Now, some scientific nerd, engineer dude's going to call and say, we've recaptured smoke from the sky and we've made more oil from oil. I'm not going there. So, Plosser said the economy's improved since late last year. And he says more easing only risks to undermine confidence. Basically, we've lowered our cost of borrowing to the point that countries like Germany go, what are you doing? You're crazy. We're way too low. We're in an unhealthy area. We're making money cheap. Now, again, for me and you, that's great because we can refinance our houses at historically low rates. If you're with me and not against me. 
we can have corporations borrow money and build buildings at historically cheap rates. See, the downside on that is, is as I get a little extra money in my pocket because my mortgage was refinanced, maybe I buy a car and cut down, you know, the amount of steel in the world. And it's in my house now, you know, and that creates inflation. Another big story this morning, private sector payrolls increased 170,000 in January, led by service providing sector and small businesses. The December level was revised from 325,000 down to 292,000. Private sector payrolls from ADP, they kind of go hand in hand with what we're going to see this Friday on the jobs employment numbers. Will we see unemployment dip from 8.5% to 8.4, 8.3? Will it climb back to 8.6, 8.7? Right now, our expectations are that on Friday morning, we're going to be kind of hunky-dory, same old, same old. AOL profit falls 66%. I'm stunned that anyone cares about AOL as a company. But I still get emails from people at AOL.com, and I'm just like, you must be kidding me. Nope. Don Cornelius, creator of Soul Train, dead. That's kind of sad. The long-running dance show, I remember as a kid watching it. I so can't dance. I suffer from that white man overbite. Can't quite move my body in the right directions. But officers reporting to a report of a shooting found Cornelius at his home on Mulholland Drive around 4 a.m. He was pronounced dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound at 4.56 a.m. So Quincy Jones said this morning, I'm shocked and deeply saddened at the sudden passing of my friend, colleague, and business partner, Don Cornelius. Before MTV, there was Soul Train. That's going to be, you know, part of his great legacy. I'm trying to create a legacy. I'm trying to become a, a financial saint. I'm not sure if you have to go how you go through to become a financial saint. I don't know if you go through bankers. I don't know if you go through the Catholic Church. But I'm trying to help people get to retirement, and I'm doing a pretty good job of it. So Cornelius was introduced to uh, inducted into the Broadcasting Hall of Fame in 1995. He's got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, the musicians made Soul Train great. I mean, I, I remember seeing little Michael Jackson on it. Uh, he had a troubled marriage. In 2009, he was sentenced to three years probation after uh, pleading no contest to spousal battery, which there's no, there's never a right situation for hitting a woman. There's barely a right situation for men hitting men, but there is never a situation where a woman deserves to be hit. Um, he's had serious health issues. So, Don Cornelius, dead at age 75. Other stories that we need to talk a little bit about this morning. Romney regains the front-runner status in Florida. Wall Street likes known commodities. So, as that race plays itself out, we'll see who's going to win. And again, I'm not saying I like Romney over Newt. I'm not saying I like Newt over Romney. I'm not saying... Anything. I'm just saying Wall Street likes that known. Because then we'll start taking that data and extrapolating it out to... Um, we'll start extrapolating it out to other scenarios. Again, consistency. Demon known versus demon unknown. Not sure how you feel about that. <laughs> 
there's a great story out there today. And again, this is one of the best parts about dying is people start telling every horrible story there ever was about you. Walter Isaacson's biography of Steve Jobs made clear he wasn't the nicest boss around. But Adam Lashinsky is writing a book called Inside Apple. And uh, he's telling a story right now that one of the neighbor's daughters came to Steve's house one day, Steve Jobs, selling Girl Scout cookies. And instead of buying a few boxes and tossing them in the trash, he was a big non-sugar fan. He ripped her a new one, which it's so wrong to do. You know, any Girl Scouts that ever want to come to my house, come on by. I'll buy cookies from you. If, you know, you're being humiliated and going door to door, I'll make it pretty easy on you. So Facebook's prospective IPO lumen is one of the biggest debuts in history. We'll have a lot to talk about on this one. Revenue growth, sales mix, bottom line, the float, the market cap, risk factors, bankers. If you want me to send you out some of the things to think about, um, I'll certainly do that. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Don't forget I'm going to be live and in person. Uh, tomorrow night, Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton, 6 to 9 o'clock, Wealth Preservation Retirement Plan. This is really for the couples in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, 70s who are in retirement and people who are wealthy who are starting to get to the point of, I can't manage this myself. What do I do? How do I allocate? How do I take money out? I think accumulating wealth is pretty easy. Managing it is much more difficult. Chad Burton will be there as well. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Tomorrow night, Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Little poker face for you. Little Lady Gaga. Poker Face was written by Lady Gaga and Red One, while the music's been produced by Red One. Gaga stated in an interview that Poker Face was written by her as a pop song and was a tribute to her rock and roll boyfriends. She also said the idea behind the song was basically sex and gambling. I don't know, something about... There's some lines in it that are pretty funny. Um, and I can't get into them because it's a f- relatively a family show. Let's talk about some of uh, the other issues that are out there today. Still more Apple TV rumors continue to float. So the gurus at Piper Jaffray, they're still very confident Apple's cranking away at a long-rumored television set. So Piper Jaffrey says it spoke to one major TV component supplier and that Apple's in talks to provide parts for the television. An Asian supplier says Apple television prototypes were in the works as of September 2011. Final model could be ready this year. Another you know, rumor out there is a major component supplier regarding parts for Apple TV. 
Uh, basically, Apple's trying to scare them, so that means they're lo- getting ready to you know build up, gear up for a launch. For content management, Apple can provide a new interface that organizes everything from your current cable or satellite provider in a unified interface. Apple may provide a link live network TV in combination with streaming services like uh, Netflix and Hulu. They can make agreements with content providers that also allow uh, users to pay for what they want on an a la carte basis. So it's going to have to be a very powerful solution for them to get into the physical TV. It's, it can't be the little uh, dongle, the little Apple TV product that they have now. It's going to have to be powerful. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me while I cough one out. So let's take a quick look at the markets. Uh, Dow is up 139, NASDAQ up 25, S&P 500 up 13. The 10-year Treasury sits at 1.83%, basically mean borrowing costs is ultra low. Gold up 7 bucks to 17.45 an ounce. Stocks are advancing after manufacturing data in the United States. The Facebook IPO is at the start of another bubble. A lot of people have questions. A lot of people have questions. Um, Trying to find great stories that are are breaking. I do care about Amazon.com. I should probably bring it up. I should probably talk a little bit about it. It was a quarter where they clearly... Uh, are competing with Apple. They're setting up an ecology. They're, they're doing something unique, and that's very expensive to pull off. That's why ecologies are incredibly powerful investments, um, and they're tough to crack. You know, Microsoft in the office and Microsoft in the windows tied towards PCs. PCs have been around for a long time, since the 1980s. And, uh, you know, some people would say 85 was the dawn of the personal computer with Apple getting into the market. There was already some business computers that were working their way into your house, 386 computers, 486 computers. But the whole PC era for Microsoft has been 20 very good years. So the whole ecology that they've created was pretty darn good and profitable. But recently, you've seen it slow. Because recently, you've seen the dawn of the Ultrabook. Um, Amazon, for their part, they're trying to get into that ecology of something that's really not formed yet, of the cloud. They want to be a player in renting it out. They want to be a player in you using it. Amazon fell the most in three months after sales missed expectations, signaling that the investment in their media services has been very slow to pay off. It's not instantly coming back and hitting the bottom line. Amazon, the world's largest internet retailer, got less revenue from digital media than expected, especially in the video game market. The company is relying more on third-party sellers, which can bolster profit but generate less revenue than direct sales. Amazon's tried to condition, condition investors in the past to like, expect, more, uh, expect less. Missing the top line, that breaks momentum. Income fell 57% to $177 million. That's okay. The company said, we're not going to focus on profitability. We're going to focus on new businesses. 
Jeff Bezos is trying to squeeze margins in search of growth, looking to add customers by pushing free shipping and offering its Kindle devices at cut-rate prices. Amazon's third-party sellers use the company's site to hawk their products and then provide a commission. Unit sales by outside retailers increased 65% during the holiday quarter. So there was a lot of things to like. But the money-losing Kindle Fire tablet raised expenses. The device is less than half the price of Apple's cheapest iPad. The expectation is that consumers are going to spend the money that they save on e-books and video content. And that will eventually make up for the money-losing device. It's considered a loss leader. Video game sales not doing as well as expected for them. That's worthy of note. So what do you want to talk about? You tell me. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Throw me a couple ideas today, and I'll gladly uh, take a look into them and see if I can't help you. Next hour, I'll, I'll get into some more ideas and concepts about personal finance. First hour, I try to go very heavy-duty stock market. Europe's market's doing well. ADP employment change shows increase in private payrolls, a little less than expected. Earnings are pretty strong across the board. Manufacturing numbers uh, pretty solid. Don't forget, i got a seminar tomorrow night in Pleasanton. You can still sign up at robblack.com. We'll take a break here, come back, and start the whole show again at the top of the hour. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. Talking all things financial. Big stories of the day. Amazon shares are falling. The street has questioned their outlook. There's a little bit of a consolidation game going on. We're seeing the European debt crisis. You know, uh, there's opportunities. Will there be a Greek surprise? Will there not be a Greek surprise? The White House is detailing a home refinancing plan for non-Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans. Very, very interesting stuff. It is a good day. We're talking the Facebook IPO finally. So right here, right now, let's take a look at the numbers on Wall Street. First and foremost, we got the Dow up 140. Very positive to see. Playing with that 13,000 level area. We're not there yet, but we're tantalizingly close. The market had its best month of January since 19... I don't even know. 1998? No, 1989. Getting them flipped in my head. NASDAQ's up 28. The S&P 500 up 14. 
Gold up six to sit at seventeen forty four an ounce. Typically, I would tell you a little bit more data along the lines of gold's up seven, but I don't know if people really want me to go into that kind of you know uh, exact data where the S and P five hundred sits. It's not closed for the day. I don't know. It's uh, some issues that we want to talk about. Sometimes we want to talk about new technology, and that's interesting in of itself when we're talking new technology. Let me give you an example or a thought. We know about the Facebook IPO. Everyone knows. 800 million people know, right? New company out that I want you to be aware of because we're going to be talking about this one maybe next year when they're getting ready to come public. And maybe it won't have the speculation that Facebook has. A company called Cloudflare. It's a really, really simple service, Cloudflare. It makes the internet faster and it protects websites from bad guys. You change one line of code on the network level, your DNS setting, and then your website's twice as fast and you're protected from hackers and spammers and denial of service attacks. A really wide range of attacks. And what's really amazing is Cloudflare launched a year and a half ago. And since that time, it's grown to handle more traffic than Amazon, Twitter, Wikipedia, Zynga, and AOL combined. They're currently running 14 data centers center uh, around the world, three in Asia, seven throughout the United States, four in Europe. They're, they're continuously expanding. Um, it's a terrific piece of software, and it lives on your actual servers and your actual data center. But the problem right now is that typically you only have one data center in one place, and that becomes a single point of failure for most networks. So what Cloudflare ultimately does, it makes it so that instead of having one data center, it's like having 14 around the world. And they're continuously expanding that, which means you'll get the benefits with it. It's a self-service model. It starts at free, $20 a month, $200 a month. They also have a lot of enterprise customers that use it, which for a content delivery network setting would be paying $2,100,000 a month, and they'd pay them about $2,000 a month. So it's a really big cost savings. It's a really great way for streaming media and video, and it cuts down on your bandwidth bill. Um, this is a company that's huge. It's one of the biggest, most important companies on the Internet right now, and it's called Cloudflare. You'll know about it down the road. You know, To some extent, video has really driven the expansion of bandwidth, and one of the things that traditional CDMs, content delivery uh, companies do that you know that, that they don't do management software is if you're streaming video off your site directly when you're not you know the best service for you then you're really only about a thousand sites on the internet that do it correctly yahoo youtube vimeo facebook that are really streaming video and they'd be better off using akamai or something if you're just embedding youtube videos or something like that it's going to work great but it's not going to give you streaming services that have, you know you'll benefit from it's a lot of tech to talk about. And ultimately what I can tell you is it's cool. It's got funding already. We're going to be talking about it down the road. It was started by two uh, people at Harvard Business School. It's called Cloudflare. It's a tech pioneer. And uh, again, I think you'll be talking about it down the road. Europe stock markets are bouncing in response to very satisfactory manufacturing data. ADP employment change showed an increase in private payrolls, but a little bit less than expected. So we're probably not going to see unemployment drop when it reports on Friday. We got the Dow up 145, up 1.1%. The Nasdaq's up 27 points, up almost 1%. And the SP 500's up 14. 
It's in it at 1%. Now, the S&P 500's got a big technical area coming up at 1350. So some people think that we're going to probably pull back and that we're not going to be able to you know, roar through it. Some people see once we roar through it, we've broken through. Very, very good month of January so far. Um, let's see, what else do I have to throw out there? 1997 was the last best January along these lines. One thing that I do want to talk a little bit more about is, this is a little bit nerdy, but structural unemployment. You know, when looked at through the prism of GDP, the U.S. and the Eurozone had unbelievably remarkable similar experiences during the Great Recession. Output in both economies dropped a little over 5%. Their troughs coincided in the second quarter of 2009. The U.S. economy subsequently has grown faster in the recovery. But both outputs from both zones, European and America, you know, have transmitted differently through the labor market. The peak to trough decline in U.S. unemployment or employment was nearly three times greater than the Eurozone, while the U.S. also experienced a much larger fall in the employment to population ratio and a bigger increase in the unemployment rate. So our labor market is structurally very flawed in the United States. Productivity is nearly 8% above the pre-crisis level. Unsurprisingly, the production divergence has also led to a growing gap between U.S. and Eurozone corporate profitability and stock market performance. One of the reasons we're doing so well is we're incredibly productive. Unionization rates in Europe tend to be much higher, so that's worthy of note. One area of this employment and productivity divergence is that there probably has been a greater amount of slack in the U.S. labor, labor market before. That's highlighted you know, through a recovery that shows labor shortages have been much more widespread in the Eurozone as a whole. Wage dynamics have been less benign. We've got some problems with long-term unemployment in the United States, and we have some problems in the United States with uh, preventing the you know, large cyclical rise in unemployment from becoming more structural. Uh, we'll talk more about what we can do to improve our economies. We'll talk more about the elections. We'll talk more about Congress and the Congressional Budget Office said yesterday that it expects the year's gap to total about $1.1 trillion, down from last year's $1.3 trillion. We're still going to have a deficit of over $1 trillion. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. Find me online at robblack.com. Seminar coming up tomorrow night in Pleasanton. Sign up at robblack.com. that time again wealth preservation retirement planning event with me and cfp chad burton when thursday february 2nd 6 to 9 where pleasanton four points sheraton sign up at robblack.com we'll cover diversification tax reduction strategies estate planning tips how to pull money out of the market economic outlook portfolio structure and much much more all questions answered thursday february 2nd 6 to 9 pleasanton four points sheraton sign up at robblack.com that's robblack.com
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking about all things financial, money, invested, and more. Don't be shy. I'm going to do a couple emails a little later in the show. Email me, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. Again, anything is fair game in my book as far as things that you want to talk about. You don't have to be shy. Let's take a look at some of the market numbers going on today. Probably we need to do that in the first segment because it sounded kind of loud. Dow's up 130, the Nasdaq's up 25, the S&P 500 up 12. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, one of the biggest, most successful investors of all time, Warren Buffett. And a lot of people like to quote Warren Buffett, you know, kind of like be like Michael Jordan, be like Warren Buffett in investing is the whole idea. Do you have any favorite phrases by Warren Buffett? Favorite phrases by Warren Buffett. I'm not a guy that really kind of holds on to the the phrase idea, but you know he has a lot of fra- phrases that make you want to buy things when everybody else doesn't want to buy them. For instance, right? pain today, gain tomorrow, right, is something that's attributed to him. Never now, was he buy when there's blood on the streets. Is that I don't see, know. I'm awful with quotes. Yeah, yeah, I can remember tax code, but I can't remember quotes. I mean, look, the thing about Warren Buffett is he's the kind of guy that likes to invest in what he can understand. Which is another phrase that he has, never invest in a business you can't understand. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I know it's in there somewhere. So he wants it simple like McDonald's because you, you eat at McDonald's. He wants it simple like Nike because you wear Nikes. Or in his case, you know, Coca-Cola because you drink Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't want you going out and buying the next great, you know, Oracle. Oracle is a pretty complex business investment, you know, tied towards databases and business software that the average person won't be able to wrap their head around it other than to say, I know they're doing something very high, highly skilled. Yeah, and when he typically gets into plays like that, um, you know, a lot of his deals that he does, remember, are these convertible bond deals, where it's really the issue of loaning money at a high interest rate with the ability to turn around and buy the stock if the stock rallies. So he gets funded on the interest rate side, and then he has that total upside potential if he's able to go and invest in a company that turns around. So what he's doing is he's loaning money to companies that need it, but they have a turnaround plan, and the turnaround plan makes sense to him. Which is funny, because he does have a phrase out there called, turnaround, seldomly turn. And he's telling the average investor, don't count on common stock being saved quickly. Don't expect the big companies made a huge mistake to be able to uh, resuscitate themselves. Like in Eastman Kodak, mm-hmm. that's been a turnaround story for 10 plus years before going into bankruptcy. It, it never turned. It never, it never got the, the corner that they needed to get. I think this is the second time they've been in bankruptcy since you and I have been doing radio together. And another, you know, a good example of a company that just can't turn around, um, Hewlett-Packard. They're having problems turning it around. Will they? Probably. Probably. But when? We don't know. So stay away from those kind of investments. How about this one? Be fearful when others are greedy. Be greedy when others are fearful. That's one of the best ones because if you look at, there's a uh, Callan Periodic Table of Investments, and you can Google it. Callan Periodic Table of Investments. I just spell Callan. C-A-L-L-A-N. Okay. And uh, there might be an H in there, so don't. Quote me on that one, but I believe it's I believe it's not. But you go to that site and you can see that every single asset class rotates, especially on the small and mid cap and emerging market side, which has been the best returns really over the last two decades, and where two thirds of the growth is going to be coming from, which would be emerging markets over the next couple of decades. They're very volatile, and what happens? They'll spend three years at the top of the heap, the best asset class ever, and then they'll spend two to three years at the bottom, the worst asset class to be in, and 
so people typically look at their 401ks and they're always buying the, the best one and three year average returns. You want to look at it and say, what's the 10 year average return? And has it, has it done bad the last couple of years? You typically want to buy the ones that have a really, really good 10 year average return. But they haven't done so well the last two years because that's that's when the timing's right. When it's scary to buy it, that's when you get the highest returns. And another phrase which that leads straight into is unless you can watch your stock decline by 50% without becoming panic-stricken, you should not be in the stock market. Well, you've got to define every investment. Is this investment a trade yep. where you're only willing to accept maybe a 7 to 10% loss? Or is this a long-term investment? And if you're buying the stock, it's got a, a dividend that's being increased. Its earnings are growing. Its revenue is growing. It's doing everything right. It's continuing a dividend increase, but it might sell off 15% because of other market issues, systemic risk issues from debt, whatever it may be. You're, you're willing to let your long-term investments fluctuate more in price because you're getting a dividend all the time that's always going up versus a trade that you're making that's, that you're only going to get rewarded on the share price. And final topic for Warren Buffett, Chad Burton, CFP. An investor should act as though he has a lifetime decision card with just 20 punches on it. Do you kind of agree with that, that you know we only invest from age 20 to 60, and you probably should treat your investment decisions as you only make 20 of them, so make them correct? Yeah, I mean, 20 investment decisions would be hard to keep it to. That's, that's you know... Yeah, it's, it's a little limiting, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's... It's a little scary, but people will make the same mistakes two to three times before they figure out their their actual mistake, before they stop doing it. He's probably just saying, be, be honest with yourself and think before you jump. You know, look look before you leap. Yeah, you know, and younger people, they just their, their biggest asset is their ability to earn money, so you need to protect that and grow that with education. I mean, you've got to get highly educated in this type of an economy that we're in where the f- unemployment rate's 4% for highly educated people. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. He is a certified financial planner. You can also find his personal website, chadburton.com, chadburton.com. So today, everyone's talking about CFP Chad Burton. Today, everyone's talking about the stock market. But they're also talking about the big seminar chat that we're going to do tomorrow evening. We're going to do it in uh, Claremont. No, not Claremont. Listen to me. I've had a stroke. Where is my mind? Um... Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton. You can get on the event and uh, jump on it right now, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. Uh, it's going to be from 6 to 9. I, I charge you $5, but if you want in for free, just drop me an email today. First three people that do, I will let you in for free. I'll put you on the guest list. Um, it's all about diversification, tax reduction strategies, estate planning tips, pulling money out of the markets, uh, putting money in the markets. You know, what's your, How long are you going to live? What your portfolio structure should look like? Asset allocation. Michelle Lerman's going to be there. Uh, Ray Fry is going to be there, so it's a good chance to meet Ray Fry. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I promise you, you'll learn something, and it'll be entertaining. So we're talking about the Facebook IPO today. And again, that's tomorrow night. So sign up today. One of the problems with Facebook is it's going to be valued at $75 to $100 billion. We know the value of 800, 850 million people who use the site every month. And half of them come back every day. Can Facebook sustain those numbers? Can they grow them to a billion? These are questions that people are going to keep asking. Will Facebook's businesses ever profit enough to justify that huge valuation? You know, one of the biggest problems with Facebook is that it makes us miserable. There's a Harvard Business Review study that suggests that it makes us unhappy because it makes everyone else look really happy. That's pretty funny, huh? It's kind of true, though brings down a lot of people's daily sense of well-being. Another problem is it ruins our relationship. Instead of meeting our friends, 
we just chat with them online, or we look at them online, or we live vicariously through them online. It forces us to compare ourselves to others, and that creates jealousy, anxiety, depression. It's being cited in over 30% of divorce filings now. It gives us career anxiety because we're looking at other people's accomplishments. And Facebook users hate change. It's interesting. You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black on Business Radio. Shut up and let me go. This hurts, I tell you so. For the last time you will kiss my lips. Now shut up and let me go. Your jeans were once so clean. I bet you change your wardrobe. Phone lines are now open. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Don't be shy. We could talk about anything that you want to talk about. I did ask for a couple emails, and I will get to those in just a minute. My email is rob at robblack.com. But first, let's look at the numbers. We got the Dow up 143, the NASDAQ up 29, the SP 500 up 14. Very positive day. Amazon.com disappointed on their guidance for next quarter. Stock's trading down 9%. Now, if you're a long term believer in the stock, you might find that attractive. If you're a technician, you may look at it as it's back to an area of support. If you are someone who's an Apple fan, you're like, certainly they're not you know, gaining enough traction to compete with me yet. There's different angles on the same exact story. So one of the emails that came in, and you can email me, rob at robblack.com came to me from a man named L. <laughs> E.L. He says, please talk about trading for a living. I know you don't recommend it, but some people have the knowledge and are doing it. If you don't talk about it, I'm going to make sure Susie Orman stalks you and you become her baby daddy. Okay. First and foremost is who's doing it for a living? Who do you know that's actually doing it? Who do you know who's actually trading for a living? I don't know anyone. I've been doing this 15 plus years in media, and the first time someone sends me an email and says they're doing it for a living, I want to look at the last three years of, of their, their, their performance. Have they been versus the market? Did they deal with a lot more volatility than the market? Did they hit a home run? If you're going to try to trade for a living, you need to tightly control your overhead. You can't assume that past high returns are going to continue indefinitely. You need to harvest money in good times, dry out lean times. You need to protect your base capital in case profits are wiped out. You can't win the game unless you're in the game. Traders tend to make the mistake that they have aspirations don't match their account sizes. They want to make a living. Even though if you're going to try to trade to make a living, you need to have, let's say, a living of $50,000. You need to have a minimum of a million dollars to create that kind of income. 
let's say you want to try to be a little bit leaner with it. 500,000. So you're going to need to pull off 10 straight 5,000 plus trades, right? If you want to trade for a living, you got to have base capital that supports your goal. You can't look for stellar returns. You have to look for realistic returns. Traders keep all their earnings as risk capital. They lose. You can't let it ride. If I start with a capital base of 100000 and I make 50% in the first year, keeping fit profits as trading capital and then having 50% losing year, I'm down $75,000. I'm down 25% in the next year. So you can't let your capital be part of your pot. You can't let your wins be part of your pot. You know, a business owner can't sell off you know, the restaurant to pay the bills. You can't sell off the back room. At least you can't do it for long, otherwise you, you lose. A baseball team can't sell off one player after another in order to keep the team afloat. You have to have a business plan if you're going to try to trade. Most people don't. Most people get way too comfortable with this. Very few gurus, very few educators and mentors will emphasize the financial challenges of making trading with a living. You know, I went to one of those trading schools. I went to one of those software companies. I went to one of those systems. I've bought the newsletters. The first person that could show me three years in a row of beating the market without a massive home run, i.e. they did it consistently, I will pay $100,000 a year. I will put you on my staff. You will become my trader. I will give you unlimited capital to work with. No one's ever taken me up on that. I've gone to the schools, and I'll tell you what they are. They're Amway. They're multi-level marketing. They're hardcore sales to you know come to a free day of trading. I once was doing a seminar next to one of those. You know, teach me to trade Option Express kind of crap. And the guy goes, hey, me and you are kind of alike. I'm like, I'm nothing like you. You're trash. You're in the business of getting the transaction. You're in the business of getting people fooled. I just want to get to people to retirement. You know what? When I'm fired from radio, I'm not doing radio no more. When I'm gone, I'm gone. Like, I'm not in the business of nothing. I'm not in the business of separating you from your capital. I'm not in the business of lying to you. I don't do a newsletter. Show me one newsletter that's beating the market consistently, and I'll pay that person six figures. Again, on occasion, you will find like a great value newsletter that does beat the market. But then it totally misses the up years. For instance... Who's that old guy that does the radio show on the weekends? Bob Brinker. Brinker does a little cute show where he talks about, you know, timing the market. He's not in the top 10 market timers. He's in the, t- you know, he's in the newsletter business. He's not a professional. He's in the business. He's got a, a business that you can invest with. Very slightly told to you. He made one great call in 2000. It was an amazing call. Elaine Garzarelli made an amazing call. We've all made them. You know, in 2006, I was telling people, watch out on real estate. People are starting to act stupid. But you can't live in the past. You can't. So 
you have to be incredibly cautious. You know, Brinker's secret is that he has an expensive newsletter. Not that he's a Wall Street insider, not that he's knowledgeable. He made one great call, but you know what? As a very conservative investor, he missed all the 90s on the upside with tech. He was underweight growth. So, yes, he said get out of growth, but he was saying get out of growth for 10 straight years. He wasn't in growth. He was always in more cyclical, more industrial-type stocks. He wasn't into the dot-coms. You know, a lot like Warren Buffett, the greatest investor of all time. Okay, so I got another email. Let me check my time so I don't ramble on too long. Don't forget you got a seminar tomorrow night in Pleasanton. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Sign up. So I got an email from San or Krish. I'm not quite sure. And he says, talk about investing in Broadcom. Broadcom came out with very good numbers. Now, Broadcom is a tech company. It's a semiconductor company. It has done very well historically. Doesn't mean that it's going to continue, obviously. Ticker symbol is BRCM, and they make semiconductors. I prefer that you call the show with your stock questions. I can go, Chris, how old are you? What's your goal with this stock? What's your time frame with the stock? Are you renting it or are you trying to own it till the day you die? Because I don't think it's an own till the day you die kind of stock. In 2000, in 1998, it was a $37 stock. Today, it's a $37 stock. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. In 2000, it was an $8 stock that went all the way to 150, 170, 100, almost 180. So during the dot-com speculative era, it went all the way to $180 a share. So it's now back down to 37. So 98, eight bucks, 2012, 37. Along the way, 175. So you have to know there's some like people that have lost a lot of money in the company. Ultimately, they're going to compete with a company like an Intel. Ultimately, and there's going to be some risk tied towards it. Ticker symbol is BRCM. They already play on Apple. There's no doubt about it. One analyst is downgrading the company today to hold, saying it's a $35 stock. Company beat expectations for both print as well as guided expectations, a slight improvement in the in-demand, tighter than expected control on operating expenses, encouraging commentary on operating expenses, restraint going forward, direct TV doing very well, or digital TV doing very, very well. Um, they're exiting the Blu-ray business. they got some legal expenses that are starting to wind down. So it's not as pure as we want it as far as a play on Apple. Um, taking a look, the report at slight upside to quarterly expectations. First quarter revenue guidance firm demonstrated another cycle of fundamental outperformance versus its peers. Revenues fell 7% quarter over quarter. So I'm going to take a little bit more look at it during the commercial break, and I'll come back and give you a little bit more of an opinion. Uh, I don't like the, the, the Blu-ray segment. I do like the wireless segment, but that was down 7% year over year, softness and demand. It's already received a couple of orders for some new tuner devices. They're ramping up production. It's a very high-end business. Very competitive. 
Take a break here. We'll be right back on AM 1220 KDOW. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm putting together a report right now on a stock that I like, on a stock that I don't like. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to put it together in my little newsletter that I send out later today, later this morning. You can get it free forever. I'm not going to charge for it. I'm not that douche. I mean, dude. Um, you can get a copy at robblack.com. Just visitor sign up. Visitor sign up, and I'll put you on the list. Um, I won't spam you. I won't sell your name. I wish I would, but that's just not me, you know? I'm going to talk about the low interest rates. I'm going to talk probably about polysilicon as well. I can talk about some of the recent economic data that I like and some of the recent economic data that points to slower growth. For instance, the Case-Shiller Index that came out yesterday, even though there was a brief upturn in real estate sales activity to close out the final months of 2011, there's an undeniable fact that there's too much supply in the housing market and prices continue to be depressed. That hurts our economic recovery. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. So the caller or the emailer who was asking me about Broadcom, you know, I, I looked at it, and I'm just going to have to pass on it and look at other opportunities currently in the market. I think there are other opportunities. I like Broadcom. Whenever it dips, maybe you can take advantage of a dip and get into it. Um, I compare the valuation right now to an Intel and what's happening in Ultrabooks with Intel. If I had to own a semiconductor company, and I do own Intel, it would be Intel over Broadcom. Now, again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I'm just pushing my own product. Maybe I'm pushing something that will make me wealthier. But um, I can't get behind. I can't get behind um, kind of some of the moving parts that are going on with Broadcom. Let's go to Vish in San Jose. Vish, how are you? This is not there. That's okay, because I thought this question was kind of stupid anyway. Bueller. Any questions about users benefiting from the Facebook IPO, i.e. small investors? Vish, if that's how you have to play the game, don't play the game. It's pathetic that you're a small investor and you're trying to hit something big. Uh, you didn't get the Facebook IPO, don't play the Facebook IPO. When you want to play the Facebook IPO, wait for the, the IPO to drop. In the, in the filings, we need to see what it has to say. Uh, maybe you'll want to short it if you think it's overpriced. If that's the way you want to play, play it. I personally think that, you know, you looked at LinkedIn and that first company, you know, first trade 40, no, A, up to 120, back down to 70. Most people have lost money. 
in Pandora. Most people have lost money in LinkedIn. Most people, like, they try to chase performance. They try to play the hot stock when you can get rich slowly, Vish. You're playing the wrong game. You're trying to hit a home run, and you're not Mark McGuire. You're not beefed up on steroids going into road rage. I can say that because it's no longer a legend. He admitted to it. So Obama out there today detailing broader housing plan, which is pretty interesting. President Barack Obama says the nation's housing crisis is damaging not only the U.S. economy, but also what it means to be middle class in America. Obama says that while government alone can't fix the problem, Congress can do what it can to help struggling homeowners. He's outlined a proposal to allow millions of homeowners to refinance mortgages at lower rates, both rental properties and owner-occupied properties. The average borrower will save about $3,000 annually, and that would be a shot to the economy. So we're starting to get a little bit more detail on it. We don't have enough for me to say, here's an action point. But we're starting to get a little bit more detail. Speaking of details, you can follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. I've got a YouTube channel, which is pretty darn cool. Um, It's pretty cutting edge, and I think it's part of the future of media, is video that's consumed in small packages, two to three minutes, on your phone. So whether you're in the subway, going into work, at lunch, uh, we are a visually dominated society, men especially. So I've updated uh, my YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. It's Rob Black Show. It's free. You can subscribe to it. I'd like you to. You would actually help me out by doing that. Um, Let's take a quick look at some of the market numbers. I want to make sure I'm giving more market numbers. Apple and Amazon both not participating in the rally today. Amazon disclosed a disappointing first quarter. Hopefully, if you're an Amazon shareholder, they they lowered the expectation enough so that they could start beating again. Apple's up nine cents today. Earlier today, it was down. Um, It's hit its all-time high today, $458.99. So it continues to tickle in that area. Dell up 1.77% today. So markets made up of winners and losers on a regular basis, right? Auto sales are down for GM, but not for the industry. Ultrabooks could be a big story in portable tech this year, and Intel has a good play on it. I still think Intel's going to be a $30 stock. I told you that I bought it at $20 a share, 21 22 And now that it's at $26.80, it's outperformed the market since I told you it. I don't go on record saying buy or sell. I don't go on record on a regular basis changing my mind. I'm very cautious. I'm very slow to release things because I don't want to hurt you. Um, you know, I knew some of these uh, radio shows many years ago when they're commodity traders. So compact asset management stands for commodities and Pakistan because Mo Ansari is from Pakistan. So a lot of shows used to be something different. Just know that. That's, that's, it's interesting, right? Suze Orman used to be an overweight insurance salesperson, and today she's an overweight insurance person. So she's actually still the same. Um, a lot of people don't know that she makes money from getting you to sign up for insurance. That's, if you're going to be in media, be in media. Don't, don't sell insurance. Now she's telling people to buy used cars where she once did a commercial where she told you to buy a new car. I don't like that. Like, she is getting smarter with age, but don't pay attention to her. 
Don't forget, I got a seminar tomorrow night in Pleasanton. Come out and meet me. I'm going to bring the Chad Burton pinata. So bring your foam bats. He's going to be talking wealth management. He's going to be talking retirement issues. You can sign up for the event tomorrow night in Pleasanton at the Sheraton, 6 to 9 p.m. at robblack.com. Robblack.com. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.